Well, it's crazy that it's March 3 already. Here it is, March 2021. Go figure, right? 3-3-21. You know, the, I won't even talk about it, but the, uh, it's amazing how suddenly there, are, there is no news anywhere because the election's done. But, uh, yeah, there's no ads on TV. It's like we haven't had the TV on in, like, weeks <laughs> just because there's nothing on. But, um, hey, it's great to know one thing for sure, and that is no matter who's president, no matter who's not, no matter who's in charge, no matter who's not, you know, ultimately Jesus is in charge. And that's all I know for sure. Jesus is ultimately in charge. He's King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You know that Jesus is the only person to ever walk this earth and never sin. The only one ever to walk this earth. He was a real person. He was born of a woman named Mary, and she happened to be a virgin, and she <clears throat> achieved something no one else has ever done, and that's called immaculate conception. She was that Jesus was born of a virgin. Now, by virtue of her being a virgin, saying he was born of a virgin is an impossibility anatomically. Okay, it's just an impossibility. However, the Holy Spirit placed life within Mary and merged between her egg and the life of God, something that was not in any way, shape, or form um, other than holy and good and awesome, somehow he did what only he could do, and that is place a fertilized egg within Mary that did not have the ties of sin that we have as humans. We were all conceived and born in sin, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and every person on the planet, all of us, we've all sinned, and we've all broken God's law. None of us are right before God on our own. We all need a Savior. His name is Jesus. But Jesus was the supernatural one. Jesus is the only one that was the true Son of God that came, was born of a, vir born of a virgin named Mary. He lived a sinless life. And then at the age of 30, he gets put into the Right after he gets baptized, he gets sent to the wilderness and was tempted by Satan for those 40 days. When he comes out, he came out in the power of the Spirit, and immediately he gets challenged. When he, had, when he announces in the temple that today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears, is what he said when he was referring to the gospel being preached to the poor, liberty to the captives, he said today that scripture's fulfilled in your ears. And you know what? The very first thing that the people did to Jesus, they tried to push him off a cliff. They tried to kill him. Now, that's worse than having people boo or throw tomatoes at you, right? They actually tried to push him off a cliff. They were going to kill him because they did not like his message. I would say his ministry got off to a rocky start, yes? I would say so. But even as he, it says in Scripture that he just walked through their midst. So they wanted to kill him, but they couldn't because it wasn't time yet. Okay? So the very first thing about Jesus that's supernatural 
Everything about Jesus was supernatural, but the first thing that was supernatural about Jesus was his, his birth announcement. I mean, the heavenly choir, the lights, the angels, glory to God in the highest and all that. I mean, we do birth announcements, but that was like the mother of all birth announcements, right? Heavenly choir and everything. And then the, <clears throat> the fact that wise men show up and bring him enough to live on for his family for two and a half years, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, God just sends these random kings to give you enough money to live on for two and a half years. Interesting, right? I mean, you had that, right? When all your kids were born, strangers just come and give you um, $100,000 just randomly. That's what happened to Jesus. That's kind of supernatural. He was born of a virgin. That's, that's kind of supernatural. Then by the time he was 30, he came out of the wilderness. He'd already survived his, the first attempt on his life. And then he gets asked to go to a wedding, and then they run out of wine at the wedding, and his mother says, Jesus, you know, can you do something? And his answer is really interesting. I've never really understood it completely. And that is, he said, my time has not yet come. And um, she said, I know, but will you? Basically, she persisted, and he did. And he turned the water into wine. But that was his first miracle. And there is 40 easily identify, identifiable miracles that are listed in Scripture, and there's many more than that that happened. The Bible says that if all the works of Jesus were codified or put into a book, that the world could not contain all the books that could be written about what Jesus accomplished in the three years that he was operating on the earth in the ministry. It says that the world could not contain the books that could be written about what Jesus did. Another, the thing that I want to get through tonight, if, if everybody in this room and everybody listening online, if you can leave tonight and have one click closer to the, to the truth, that is this. This is the central truth. God wants to work supernaturally in your life today. God wants to work in your life, each and every one of you. God wants to work in your life supernaturally. And many times we don't even ask God to get involved in situations. And I would just encourage you, ask. You know, James, the book of James in the first chapter, it says you have not because you ask not. And, and I would say the first thing, Start asking God and start expecting God to do supernatural things in your life. Because you know why? Because he wants to and he can. I mean, little things, little things. Just start off with little things. Um, you don't have to start off with someone that's, you know, on their deathbed and say, well, Lord, here you go. You don't, you don't have to start there. You can start with small things. But my point is, God wants to do something supernatural in your life today. Just speaking to you, leading you, directing you, having some interaction with you that goes beyond your mind and goes beyond your senses, and you know that you had an interaction with God at that point in time. God desires to have those with all of us many, many times a day. 
He desires to have conversations. Then in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is just minding his own business and this demon-possessed guy shows up in Capernaum. I mean, this is the way I want you to just consider looking at the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus is not one of, hey, let's all go to church, let's sit in rows, and let's listen to Jesus preach. That is not how, what was going on in his life. He was traveling from city to city. He always had somewhere to go. He always had a new group of people to talk to. He always had people pulling on him and, 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 and trying to grab him and stuff. And all the things that we read about were interruptions of his schedule. I said interruptions. There are interruptions in all of our lives. Now this one particular here with the, um, the, the man who had a demon, an unclean spirit in Capernaum, that was not something that he said, hey, we're going to have a deliverance service, y'all come. That's not what he did. He was going and he bumped into this guy that he perceived had an unclean spirit and so he was going somewhere, but he had an, say it with me, an interruption. Interruption. Many times we get, I get, I won't put it on you, many times I get frustrated with interruptions because I have a plan, darn it, and I want to be from here to here. And this is an interruption. And then I have to stop and go, hold it. Maybe this is a divine interruption and I'm supposed to not do this and do this instead. And that's, that's what you learn to do after a while because you miss it so many times that you finally go, oh, that could be God, right? But I want you to consider when you're reading the Bible and when you run across an example that Jesus had an interaction with somebody, most of the time that interaction was an interruption. It was an interruption. He was going somewhere else, but he was always sensitive to the interruptions that were there. For instance, he was on his way to Jairus' house. Jairus' daughter was dying. It's a big deal. I would say an emergency, okay? And while he's on his way, this lady crawls through the crowd and grabs him by the, by the bottom of his, of his coat. And when she does, he feels healing virtue going out of himself. And he said, who touched me? You know the story, all his disciples are like, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. And he says, no, someone touched me and healing virtue went out of me. And that's when the woman said, it was me. And so he heals, he heals her and he sends her on her way and says, your faith has healed you. But the whole time, he's supposed to be walking and taking care of Jairus' daughter, right? Anybody else think that? I'm thinking, hey lady, take, you've had it for 18 years. You can live one more day. Get out of the way. I got to get to Jairus' house. I, nobody else thinks that way? I'm the only cruel person? That's what I'm thinking. I mean, you've been this way for 18 years. This little girl's dying. Triage, we're going to take care of the little girl first. 
Jesus didn't do that. He stopped and took care of the woman with the issue of blood. Then he went up there and they said, hey, don't bother. She's dead. You're late. But instead of going, oh, no, I blew it. I shouldn't have stopped and helped the, the lady with the issue of blood. He didn't do that. He just said, relax. We'll take care of it. Get, get all these doubters out of here. And he goes up there with the mom and the dad and Peter and James and John and raises a little girl from the dead. Somebody say, booyah. That is like a Yahtzee. He raised the little girl from the dead. It's amazing. He could have come to get Lazarus, jumping to a different story. He could have come to get Lazarus. He was two miles away in Bethsaida. He was just around the corner. And they said, Lazarus is sick, come quick. And he goes, yeah, I'll get there. And then he takes his old sweet time. And by the time he gets there to Lazarus' house, Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. And Martha says, Jesus said, roll the stone away. Martha's like, Jesus, I don't know, whoo, uh, not good, don't do that, right? She, she put it like this, for behold, he stinketh. That's King James, for those of you that don't know that. But behold, he stinketh, because it's been a few days. There's not good things going on. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. You know, one of the signs in the Old Testament, one of the rabbinical signs of the Messiah, this is very little known, but it's an interesting, fun fact. One of the signs of the Messiah, the rabbinical traditions show that one of the signs of the Messiah was that he was going to raise somebody from the dead who had been dead for four days. So this, was the, this fulfilled that prophecy is that he was going to raise somebody from the dead who had been dead for four days. That was a rabbinical tradition. But it's just interesting that even those get fulfilled. Jesus could have come back while he was still alive. Jesus could have come back after one day, two days, three days, but he waits till four days, and then he raises him from the dead. I mean, that is supernatural, people. Everything about Jesus is supernatural. And now I want to take it one step further. Everything about you is supernatural. Everything about you is supernatural. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you have the supernatural power of God available to you. He wants to help us. He wants to help us. How about when <clears throat> Peter's mother-in-law was sick and had a fever and Jesus went over to their house and laid hands on her, rebuked the fever? She's better. That's supernatural. I mean, you go, and I'm going to keep going through a few of them. One time they brought all these people. It said a multitude. Not sure how many a multitude is, but it's a bunch. And they brought all these people, hundreds and hundreds of people. It says, as many as touched him were made whole. And in other places it says, and he healed them all. A-L-L. -L. He healed them all. Every single one of them was healed. Nobody 
nobody missing. Nobody was disqualified. He didn't check their ID first. He didn't, he didn't make sure that they hadn't sinned or said a naughty word. He didn't do it. He just healed them because of his grace and because of his mercy. Then there was one of my favorites. One, one of my favorites is, there's there are two, but they're, I'm going to tell you the one. How about when he multiplied all those fish for Peter? When he'd fished all night and had nothing, and Jesus comes up and says, hey, cast your nut, net on the other side. And when he does, he gets so many fish, he starts to sink two boats. I mean, that's pretty supernatural, right? I mean, that's, that's crazy. Sinking boats with your, with, your, uh, with your catch from one cast to the net. How about healing the leper? In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is walking and a leper comes and falls down at his feet. And I, this is one of the greatest examples that you can use of Jesus' mercy and his will. Here's what the leper says. I know you can heal me. He said, you can. You have the ability to heal me. That's what the leper says to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8. I know you can. He says, if you're willing. He was saying to Jesus, I know you have the ability to heal me, but I'm not sure if you're willing to exercise that authority and heal me. <clears throat> and Jesus answered that question with a resounding, yes, I will, or of course I will, when he answered him. And then he healed him. See, he said, I don't know if you will, but I know you can. And I'm here to tell you that like Jesus, I can assure you he is willing and he is able to heal or to answer <clears throat> by many or by few. He can answer whether it's by, by many or by few. It doesn't matter. He can answer and do whatever it is we need to have done. How about the miracle of the healing of the centurion's servant? This guy was in charge of a hundred soldiers. <clears throat> he was in charge of a hundred soldiers. And he said, hey, come. I have a servant that is sick unto death. That's what he said. So if the centurion was coming, that means he loved this person. It wasn't just some outlier person. It was somebody he really cared about. So Jesus says, sure, I'll come to your house. And then the centurion says, I'm not worthy to come under your house. You're, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. That's when Jesus said he had not seen such great faith in all Israel. He said, only speak the word. So when that centurion came to him, he understood authority, and Jesus said, wow, finally, somebody understands authority. He said, go your way, your servant's good. And like it says, at that very hour, his servant was made well. All he did was speak. It said, your servant is made well, and his servant was made well. That's supernatural. He healed a paralyzed man that was lowered through a roof. He healed a, a man that had a withered hand and he said, stretch it out. He stretched it out. It was made whole. <laughs> he raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised the widow of Nain's son to, to life. And they already were on the way to the um, cemetery. 
They were like carrying the coffin. And he stops them and raises the guy and spoiled the funeral. Raised the guy back to life, right? It's all that money. Spoiled the funeral, right? <clears throat> Making trouble again. What Jesus did is he upset the then known world because he was bringing the supernatural power of God on the scene that they had never seen before because they kept saying, who is this? This is a new kind of teaching with authority. And Jesus has said to us that I give you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So that same authority that Jesus had when he walked the earth, he has given that authority to you and me. You and I, you have the authority that's in Jesus' name. So when you see what Jesus did, what, why I wanted to talk about these few miracles, few supernatural events that Jesus, <clears throat> we just talked about a few of them, so that you could see that Jesus operated in a supernatural basis, not because he was the Son of God, but because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, just like you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can walk in the same power that Jesus walked in if we'll walk close to the Father and we'll walk in the Spirit. He said the same works, John 14, 12, he said the same works that he did that we can do also in John 14, 12. You read John 14, 12, start meditating on John 14, 12, what's going to happen? You're going to start expecting God to do supernatural things in your life. <clears throat> you need to start praying every day and saying, God, I open myself up to be interrupted by you, but I bind the enemy from interrupting me. But Father God, you may interrupt me anytime you'd like, and I'll, and I'll do your bidding. And you start doing that and people will start stopping you or you'll, get, you'll see somebody that goes, oh, I gotta go talk to that person. And that's a divine interruption. You gotta be careful to manage that so you don't get fired from your job. <laughs> if that's all you ever do, you might get fired. So then you're gonna have to really trust God for money, right? After you get fired. But I would rather have you do it discreetly and on your own time, not on your boss's time. But the point is this, is God wants to work in your life supernaturally today. Not maybe, not once in a while. He wants to do it today. And I would like, if you would, we're gonna go through a little, just a little exercise. <clears throat> if you would, just turn to somebody that's near you and share just with them, somebody maybe that you don't know, and share one brief thing that, was, that God did that was supernatural in your life. It could be any time. It could be 50 years ago. I don't care. Just share one thing that was supernatural in your life. Just share it with somebody. Say, you know, one time God spared me from this. You know, all of us have something in our life. I could stand here for three hours and tell you. But just share one thing. On your mark, get set, Go. Go talk to somebody. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you uh, 35 seconds to do that. And if you just sit there, hopefully somebody will come talk to you. One, one thing that God did that was supernatural in your life.
All right. Well, let's let's kind of reel it back in, if we could. Now, if there's anybody that would like to share that one thing that, or share one thing, don't share ten, but share one thing with all of us, um, if you'd be so brave as to come up here and share. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to limit it to like. Of less than a minute, so that more than one person can do it. Okay, go ahead. Well, share something God that God did supernaturally in your life. Okay, I am Matthew. I come with um, Joe. Uh, Joe's gain. I'm about 19 years, 15 or 16 years ago. He saved me at like 6:30 at night. Uh, my uncle was do, doing. Um, se- 65 in Warsaw traffic and um, we went away to a basketball game and dad, I mean, God decided to take my Uncle David home by him having a heart attack so um, I had never witnessed a heart attack before so the miraculous thing was um, God kept me um, he cut cup um, God sent an angel to, to guide the car and saved, basically saved uh, okay. me from the jaws of death okay. very cool, thank you very cool thank you Jesus uh, when I was when I was nine years old, uh, my dad was taking me to school, and and his Ford old he had an old Ford Ranger, and and he we were driving down 52nd Street, and somebody broadsided us coming out of Burger King, and that pickup truck flipped I don't know how many times, and uh, my dad had a couple cuts, some cuts in that, and I didn't have a single scratch on me. Thank you, Jesus. He protected you. That's awesome. Even something as simple as I was working with my son um, trying to get his FAFSA done and all the parents of college students, we all groan when we hear the word FAFSA, or am I the only one that had to do a FAFSA this year? Um, Anyway, it wouldn't go through. It was like I tried it, I tried, and I had been working on it for a few hours. And uh, I'm like, I hit it to send. Sorry, there's been an error. And they always say that with a nasally voice, don't they? Um, so time and time, so finally I was like, okay, I'm not going to get mad, but I'm just like, come on, dude, let's go. So I did something very um, strange. I laid my hands on my computer, and I said, in the name of Jesus, go through! I went just like that, because I was kind of mad, because it wouldn't go through. And the thing, uh, literally, I, I sat there for about 30 seconds, and I click on it and it goes, bleep, thank you for your submission. And I went, wow, talk about submission. Thank you, Jesus. That's something you say, well, that's silly. Why do you tell us that? Because that's real. You got to get that crazy form in or you can't get your, you know, your scholarships and stuff. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, go ahead. No, we're good. 
small one. It's a small one. Like how you said when you ask yeah. and you just really, really want yeah. something. And if you believe, God will yeah. give it to you. So the other day I was, I have a really bad coffee addiction, you guys. I mean, it's bad. Big B, Starbucks, whatever. So I go to, I go to Big B, I'm in the drive-thru. And I already know I'm going to be there for at least 20 minutes because the drive-thru is really, really long. And I am, I was just so excited to get my Big B. I'm like, you know what, I, I really need some coffee. And I was getting my kids some drinks as well, right? So it took minutes for me to just order, but I'm a coffee addict. I'm not getting out the drive-thru. I'm, gonna get, I'm walking out that drive-thru with my Big B. I, I was waiting a long time just to order. I finally put my order in. After I placed my order, I tried to reach for my wallet to obviously pull out my car so I could pay. And I realized that my wallet was at home. I didn't actually have my wallet. So I'm like, oh, great. This is just great. So I'm, I've been here for minutes. I'm late for my appointment just because I want my coffee. And now I can't even pay for my coffee because I don't have my wallet. So I'm like, oh, maybe I could try Apple Pay or something, you know, because I have my car. Maybe I can do it that way. And I'm in the, I'm in the, um, I'm in the, in the, in the truck, and I'm just wondering if it's even going to be possible for me to pay uh, with my card on my phone because I've never done it. I know you can, but I just hadn't. And I'm just like, I start praying. I was like, if only this, because you know, I don't know if anybody's had where they pay it forward. Someone pays for your drink in front of you. So I'm like, if this guy in front of me could just pay it forward for me, so I, <laughs> I can get my free coffee. Because I was like, if you, if you, I'm like, Lord. Let me just walk out of this drive-thru with, with a free, free coffee because I have no way to pay it. And sure enough, the, it was taking so long. The drive-thru was taking so long. And I'm like, this is it. Like, I just wasted half an hour for nothing because I'm not going to be able to get my coffee. I pull up to the window, and the girl asks me, she's like, what was your order? And I'm like, I'm like, can you actually just cancel my order? I forgot my wallet. She was like, well, our system crashed down. So that's why I'm asking what, like she was handwriting the order. Apparently their system had just crashed down. So my order disappeared. So she just gave me my coffee and my drinks for free. And I walked out there, my free coffee with three free drinks. So hey, when you ask for little, it's like the little stuff. Sometimes it works out. So when you believe that you're going to get something, I was like, Lord, I know you want me to have my coffee today. And I got it. That's funny. There you go. God will even get you free coffee. There you go. There you go. But my point, which is illustrated, I believe, is that God wants to interact with us and not just be a Sunday thing or just be a before you go to bed thing or, or maybe before you eat or whatever. But he really wants to interact with us on a, on a regular basis. And when those interruptions come across our path, just to kind of, I want to prompt you to just consider maybe it's a divine interruption and God's trying to um, bless somebody or have you help someone that needs help or it could be any number of things, but don't view interruptions just as issues or problems because sometimes God puts things across our path, um, not trouble or bad, but just things and situations because you're the answer to someone's prayers. You know, you could be the answer to someone's prayers or they could be the answer to yours. But the point is to be open. The point is to be ready and willing and able when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, to listen and to take a risk and then do it. Whatever he says to do, to do it and uh, to take a risk. I mean, don't be foolish, but don't worry if, you know, if you miss it, if you walk up to somebody and you feel like you have something to share with them and you share it and they look at you and say, get away from me, you freak. That, you know, if that happens, and it might, 
If that happens, you know what you do? You go, bless you, and you walk on. It's no big deal. Um, it says if you get persecuted for him, then, you know, hey, they persecuted him, they'll persecute you at times. You don't have to set yourself up for it, but if it comes, it comes. So my point, again, he wants to talk to us. He wants to lead us. He wants to be there. No matter what day of the week it is, no matter what time of the day it is, he's always awake and he's always around. So let's just, let's finish tonight with just a, a word of prayer and then we're gonna let you go. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace. Father, we thank you for the divine interruptions that are, are, have come across our path and those that are coming. And we thank you, Lord, that we can bless those that we come across. And, and Father, we can be blessed. But Father, we just want to listen and obey. When you say go, we'll go. When you say stop, we'll stop. Father, we thank you that we hear your voice, the voice of a stranger that we won't follow. In Jesus' name, amen.